Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome back to Kindled. This is a bit of an unexpected episode that I am releasing. Um, now, if you are in Kansas, uh, you've probably already heard about the Value Them Both Amendment. If you're not, however, I will catch you up to speed. So there is a constitutional amendment that will be on the ballot on August 2nd called Value Them Both. And uh, you will learn more about what exactly it aims to do. But uh, what I will say is that it is a pro-life amendment that is being um very hotly debated here in Kansas. Uh, the liberals and Democrats do not want to see this pass. There are just, there's a ton of opposition. Uh, you know, Kansas is kind of set to become an abortion destination for abortion tourism. Uh, if you are, are aware, because we are landlocked by states that are more conservative than us, save Colorado, who have already started to pass more much more stringent restrictions on abortion. And so Kansas could really become the Midwest hub of uh, baby murdering. And so just wanted to make sure that you understood this is not a national thing, although it obviously is related to the national conversation we're having about um, abortion legislation. And so you you can only vote if you are a resident of Kansas. So um, while it is a local issue, it is a, a larger, it's certainly grafted into this larger conversation that's being had and one that I um, think is really important that everyone understand. And, and I think that this will be relevant even for those of you who aren't in Kansas because these types of bills will be coming up. You will be seeing similar things in many states. And so um, just kind of understanding potentially some of the uh you know, the dynamics, the the legal logistics. Uh, this is not my area of expertise. I uh, feel very ill-equipped when it comes to these conversations. And that's why I brought on someone um, who, who is uh, equipped and very well-informed in Brittany. So uh, that's all I'll say about that. But just wanted to let you know what was going on here. So I wanted to bring on Brittany Jones, who helped author this amendment, uh, the Value Them Both Amendment. She is uh, a lawyer, and she is one of the people who actually wrote the language and um, strategized what this amendment should be. So figured it's best to go to the source rather than listening to hearsay or reading articles about what it says and what it means and why we need it. And just go straight to Brittany herself, um, as she is really kind of the face of this campaign, um, or at least one of the faces. Uh, and so uh, you will hear from Brittany. I w- want to assure you, this is not a softball interview. I had a lot of tough questions for her. I really dug as deep and pressed as hard as I could, and as she would allow me to um, really uh, assess the situation and her own view on uh, what the what the future is in regards to this legislation not being kind of the the fir- the final step but only the first and and so that was my strategy um, you know I really tried to tried to ask all the questions that you guys asked on Instagram I will share my thoughts and my kind of final thoughts after this interview with you after you hear from Brittany. Um, So just want to warn you there. I give you a a warning to pause the episode if you don't want to hear my thoughts and just, you know, sit and stew with your own reaction. But if you do want to hear that, that is at the end of our conversation. Okay, without further ado, here is my conversation with Brittany Jones. Okay, so today I am chatting with Brittany Jones. Uh, Brittany, welcome to Kindled. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Yes, uh, I am excited to get to connect with you. 
I did not realize, um, actually that you were in the Kindled audience on Instagram until, um, somehow, oh, I know Laura Williams, uh, pointed me your direction. Uh And then I went to look you up and I was like, oh, she follows Kindled. Great. So (laughs) let's, let's connect. Yeah. Laura had pointed me in your direction at first. And so I, I love, I love what you do. And I, I, I think it's fantastic work. Oh, that's awesome. So we are going to talk today about the very hot topic of, uh, the value them both amendment, which is an amendment that is coming up for a vote on August 2nd here in Kansas, um, where you and I both live. And so this is, um, definitely going to be geared towards, you know, uh, those who are listening locally in Kansas, but I think also, uh, will be relevant to anyone listening in the United States right now, because this conversation is, is a bigger one that we're having nationally about sort of what does legislation look like in a post row America? Um, obviously with it being overturned on June 24th, was it? Yes. Um, you know, we're in a new stage, a new season where a lot of us, many of us are trying to figure out exactly what that looks like. How do we vote in light of that being overturned? you know, all of these complexities that have almost never seemed like they were even really an option um, because Roe existed. And now that it doesn't, it's kind of the floodgates are wide open. And a lot of people are trying to weigh through and evaluate uh, what is the best path, best path forward. Any, any modification or addition to what I just said there? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that that is a huge I mean, I've been in the pro-life movement since I was seven, right? So it's kind of a world that I've been around for a long time. And it's always been, even when this whole discussion began in Kansas in 2019, you can talk to every reporter in the state. And I told them, there's no way Rose getting overturned. Everyone stop freaking out about that. It's not happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And then here we are um, in a post-Roe world. And I do think there is, and that's just a reality. And I think there's a little bit of shifting and a little bit of just processing uh, the pro-life movement is doing and the, the body of Christ is doing and like, how do we respond best to this? Um, and so I think that, yeah, I'm personally going through some of that, mm-hmm. uh, but I know here in Kansas and you know what a lot of your viewers may not, or listeners may not know that uh, depending on where they are is mm-hmm. that in Kansas, we started a discussion about value them both long before there was any discussion of the Dobbs ruling or even a decision that could overturn Roe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we immediately, as soon as that ruling went, came out, went right back to work um, to try to get value them both passed in Kansas. So for us, everything's focused on August 2nd. Um, but yeah, we do. I'm very cognizant of the larger discussion going on around the country. I've had lots of conversation with friends and family and mm-hmm. uh, other policy wonks of like, how do we, how do we address this? How how do we uh, come at this as the body of Christ? Yeah. So getting into the amendment specifically, can you tell us what the value them both amendment is, first of all, and then we'll talk about why you believe we need it. Yeah. So the value them both amendment is a pro-life constitutional amendment uh, that restores the ability of the people of Kansas to place basic regulations around the abortion industry. Uh, A lot of people don't know that the abortion industry targeted Kansas to try to make it as liberal as states as New York and California when it comes to the question of abortion. Um, So they co-opted our state constitution and tried to make it radically pro-abortion. They not only created a right to abortion in our Kansas constitution, but they said that that right to abortion was protected at the highest level from a legal perspective. Um, and so that has and made- that, Is that what happened in 2019? Mm-hmm. That's what happened in 2019. Okay. So we had a Kansas Supreme Court ruling called the Hodes and Nauzers versus Schmidt decision. Mm-hmm. Um, just in case people want to go fact check me, uh, it is a 200 page opinion uh, where the court said that um, the phrase life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness somehow created a right to unlimited and unregulated abortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that also our great legal thinkers like Black and Lockstone would have agreed with that, uh, which is just mm-hmm. abhorrent to me, uh, made me really upset, uh, just to be totally frank, um, mm-hmm. that they would not only do this, but they would use um, great legal thinkers to do it, um, which was very upsetting. But that that happened in 2019. And so that kind of started this whole chain of events uh, where we are working to get the value them both amendment 
not only on the ballot, but now passed uh, by the people of Kansas. Okay. Um, and I, I failed to mention at the beginning that you are a lawyer. You are one of the lawyers that helped author the bill, correct? That's correct. Okay. So you're someone that is great to speak to because you're going to be able to help us understand kind of the legal ramifications of that 2019 ruling. My question is, um, going back to 2019, before we move forward with value value them both, was the Supreme Court ruling, was it um, merely kind of a ruling on what the constitution of the state of Kansas means by life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, meaning that should, that should include a right to an abortion and protect the right to an abortion? Or was there some sort of amendment or modification made to the actual constitution? Yeah. So it was just, uh, it's what we call substantive due process in the law. Um, Essentially they are, it's where there is, there are no words, there are no specific, you know, language that would indicate that that right is in the constitution. It's not enumerated in any way. It's the court taking other words in the constitution and then reading a new right. Reassigning. Yeah. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. Um, And so the case came about because of a 2015 uh, law that was passed in Kansas known as our live dismemberment abortion ban. Um, And that ban uh, prohibited a pretty gr- extremely gruesome uh, procedure that's done in the second and third second and third trimester of an abortion uh, or of a pregnancy. Um, so really gruesome procedure. We were the first in the nation to actually ban that procedure. The abortion industry sued that law, and they said that because there was a right to abortion in the Kansas Constitution, that that law was unconstitutional. Well, up to that point, there had been no right to. Uh, abortion in our constitution that had never been recognized in our law mm-hmm. before. So they were asking the court to create a new right in order to overturn that law. Okay. So the court ruled pretty much opposite of the way our Supreme Court, our federal Supreme Court just ruled on Roe v. Wade, correct? So they yes. said, oh yes, there is a right to an abortion enumerated in our constitution, even though there's no, there's no words that specifically delineate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they obviously ruled totally opposite from how the federal Supreme court ruled. Um, now my question is, um, because of that ruling, uh, is there, is that actually preventing the abolition of abortion in Kansas? Is that ruling, did that somehow set a precedent that prevents any other bill, for instance, from getting seen or voted on or passed out of the house, for instance. Yeah. So what a lot of people don't know is that we haven't passed a pro-life law in Kansas since 2018. Uh, We have been unable to pass anything. Uh, Now the legislature can do it. They can technically pass a law, but it's going to immediately be unconstitutional uh, because the Kansas Supreme Court set our abortion standard at such a high level. Any law that is passed by the legislature is presumed unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. And we've seen from other states around the country that have a similar ruling to the one that Kansas has, that the laws that we have on the books will be struck down. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we have like 25 pro-life laws that are already on the books that have been passed with bipartisan support. And we have seen in other states that those have been struck down. Um, And so that's something that concerns a lot of Kansans, no matter how they feel about the question of abortion. And it should really concern uh, the the people of God. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the law, if there was in our legislature, just for anyone listening, is um, a conservative majority, right? Depends on how you define conservative. Yes, for the most part, yes. Um, Well, I'm thinking about value them both on the ballot. Right. I guess I'm thinking of, you know, how they limited the the powers of Laura Kelly during COVID, those types of things like they're they're at least lean conservative, it seems by by and large. Now, the Supreme Court is a different case. I think there's a four three liberal majority on the Supreme Court of Kansas, right? uh, No, (laughs) no. There's a six one. Uh, Yeah. So that's how we got this case. So case uh, Hodes and Nauser was six to one. Uh, there was one dissenting voice. Um, 
And we have a really unique process for selecting our justices in Kansas. Um, and it is caused us to have a very liberal court. Um, mm -hmm. There's a little more balance on the court because some of those justices have been replaced. Okay. Um, but since 2019. Not, since 2019. But they're okay. they were still they were replaced by Laura Kelly. Um, mm -hmm. So they're not as aggressively activist. Mm -hmm potentially, uh, but we haven't seen another great test case uh, okay. to kind of tell exactly where they are. Um, but still, like our court is, the majority of them have been uh, appointed by very liberal governors. Um, and so that's a, it's a really big problem. Uh, but that's not the problem of right now. <laughs> that's a, that's, that's a future yeah. us problem. Um, but yeah, I think that's what a lot of people don't understand either is our court is very activist. Right. So this amendment was being written prior to June 24th, correct? You guys yes. started work on it when? So, I mean, so the court ruling came out April 26, 2019. We started working on it April 26, 2019. Okay. Um, and so we first introduced Value Them Both in January of 2020. Uh, we got it through the Senate pretty easily. Um, so in Kansas, you have to have two-thirds majority each house uh, in order to put it on the ballot. So we got mm -hmm. two thirds in the Senate pretty easily. We had enough Republicans in, who claimed to be pro-life in the House to pass it, uh, but we fell four votes shy um, mm -hmm. in that particular in 2020. Um, we were working on flipping some votes. We were getting pretty close. Um, and then COVID shut the world down and mm -hmm. also the Kansas legislature. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were able to replace some of those legislators in the 2020 primaries, came back with a supermajority in both the House and the Senate who were committed to passing value them both. Um, and in January of 2021, the end of end of January, we were able to actually pass value them both through the legislature so that it can then go to the ballot. Um, so since then, we've really been working to inform Kansans, get churches involved, um, try to get people engaged in what was going on um, on value them both. And so that's really what we've been doing for the last year and a half. Okay. So the Supreme Court ruling on June 24th was a big shock to you guys. I mean, obviously we, we got the leak, uh, you know, a couple sure. months earlier that that was going to come out, but were you, I mean, you mentioned before, like you didn't think, you know, a couple of years ago that that was even on, on the ballot, right. Or even potential. Yeah. I mean, once we saw the questions that were going to be presented and once I listened to oral arguments, I was not shocked. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I follow the Supreme Court pretty closely. That's mm -hmm. one of my hobbies um, mm -hmm. because I'm a real interesting person. Anyway, um, but <laughs> I think yeah, that's interesting. I mean, <laughs> depends on who you're talking to. Um, but yeah, once I heard the oral arguments back in December, I kind of knew. I mean, we kind of set sketched out what the potential outcomes would be. Uh, but given the makeup of the court, given the questions that were asked, especially Justice Kavanaugh's questions, um, I was pretty confident. And then, of course, we got the leak in May, which is unprecedented. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah. I think I've been burned so many times by the court that I there's a little bit of cynicism in me of ah, maybe they won't do it or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but they released it on the exact day that I said they would release it. And they were ex released it in the exact way that I said they would. Mm -hmm. So that was not a shock. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to ask a question that one of my um, followers on Instagram asked, I put it out there for people to submit questions if they had questions for you. And somebody asked related to this June 24th ruling of the Supreme court, mm -hmm. how does the fact that Roe v. Wade was overturned inform how we should think about the value of them both amendment? Because I know you're you're not a stranger to the reality that like like you mentioned at the beginning, the body of Christ and Christians, pro-life, you know, anti-abortion um, believers are are obviously grappling with the reality that Roe v. Wade is no more. And what does that mean? And what yeah. can we do as a result of that? Can we do different things than we could do before? Should that change the type of legislation we do? So how does the fact that this was started to be written before uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned, you know, inform how we should think about it or, or is there, has there been a shift uh, is what I'm asking in what would need to occur in order to truly um, ban abortion in Kansas? I mean, I can only speak for the value of them both amendment and I, I can't speak to some of those larger, mm -hmm. those larger questions. I mean, I think it's important uh, for pro-life believers to always, always start with the heart of God, which is uh, 
kindness, a care, compassion uh, for women in difficult situations and kindness and care for, for babies. And we have to balance those. And I think sometimes we can get a little too focused on one or the other. Um, and so I think, you know, I, I pray often that the Lord will keep my heart uh, tender uh, towards in both situations. Um, so, you know, that's just my general, uh, <laughs> my, the general way that I approach those questions. Uh, but for value them both, I mean, it, Kansas is in a dire situation. Um, there we're looking at a thousand percent increase in abortion. We're talking that's a hundred thousand more abortions in Kansas. We have about 6,000 abortions right now a year, which is a horrific number, but a hundred thousand abortions in Kansas. It it boggles my mind. Um, Why would that, why, why is that kind of projected? What's the, what's, what is that based on? Because of the Dobbs ruling. Um, So actually the Guttmacher Institute, who is the research arm of Planned Parenthood, uh, put a study out actually pre uh, the Dobbs ruling saying that if Dobbs did overturn Roe, which it did, that other states would add restrictions to abortion, making it harder for women to get them. And that women would have to come to Kansas to get those abortions Mm -hmm. because Kansas has unlimited and unregulated abortion because of our 2019 ruling. Um, And so they have been encouraging women to come to Kansas. Um, They, you look at all of their interviews post Dobbs, they're talking about the influx of women that are coming. They've just uh, challenged another one of our laws, challenging our um, in-person doctor requirements. So currently we have a law in Kansas that requires a doctor to be in the room when an abortion is occurring. Um, And so they've already, they're challenging that law because they're saying, oh, we have all, we can't keep up. We have all these women that want abortions and that's already happening. Um, and if we don't pass value them both, that gets even worse for Kansas. Um, so I think, it, you know, we're just in such a different situation um, than a lot of other states. The questions we're asking are very different. I also think you have to be really, really aware that we barely got value them both on the ballot. Um, we have a legislature that um, is just they're great. A lot of them are great people, uh, but they're very independent thinkers. And so we're not, and we're not a state uh, that tends to like swing very radically when you actually look at the legislation we're passing. Um, and so I think that th- those are just some realities for people to keep in mind, practically of what we can get done in Kansas. Um, and what we can get done right now is to protect moms and babies by protecting our laws. Uh, and we have 25 life-saving laws on the books that are saving about 15 lives a day. They're changing the culture. They're supporting pregnancy resource centers. Um, and so that's, that's our reality in the ground in Kansas. And, um, you know, I would encourage people to, you know, research value them both, talk to your pastor about value them both. Um, we've had seen a ton of pastors all over the state really get involved in this issue for the first time and start talking about it boldly. Um, we do believe that this is something that matters to the heart of God. Um, he cares about women um, who are having uh, coerced abortions. He cares about women who, you know, are in very difficult situations and uh, we should too. Okay. So um, what exactly jumping off that, what exactly will value them both do? Because I've seen, you know, I've done some research and seen, you, you know, the, the clarification that you guys are putting out on social media it does not ban abortion. Um, so from a pro-life standpoint, given that my audience is interested in that side of the equation, what will it do um, to, you know, as you're speaking about protecting um, those pre-born neighbors of ours that have no voice and cannot say what they would like to happen? Um, how will it, how will it serve uh, them and what does it accomplish, I guess, practically? Yeah. So I just from like a legal perspective, I I think it's important for people to understand um, because of so there's several different levels of scrutiny from a legal perspective. And what the Dobbs ruling did is gave us the lowest level of scrutiny. So that means that anything the legislature passes is presumed to be constitutional. So it's presumed to be enforceable. Um, And so it gives them a lot more deference. Um, It gives the people a lot more voice. Um, There are going to be some limitations, but but not much. what our Kansas Supreme Court did in our Hodes ruling in 2019 gave us the highest level of scrutiny. And that means that the legislature, the people get no deference. Uh, that means that they have to prove that they're, they have this compelling reason um, for what they're doing. 
And in reality, that means they can really pass nothing. Uh, we joke that it's strict in theory and uh, fatal in fact. As so who can pass, the legislature can pass well, nothing. Yeah, basically the legislature can pass nothing. Um, and so what value them both does is it resets that standard. It makes our, our constitution abortion neutral. It doesn't, it's not pro-abortion, it's not anti-abortion. Um, it's it's just neutral. The constitution says nothing about it, which hands it back to the legislature and the people. Um, and so that, that means that pro-life Kansans, pro-abortion Kansans can go in and they can lobby their legislators. They can tell them what they think. Um, and so if you like our laws, we can keep them. Um, so we can lobby to keep those laws. If you want different laws, you can lobby and have different, and it, so it just gives everyone back a voice. And I know that that makes people upset on both sides of the aisle sometimes, um, but we truly do believe this is the best way to protect moms and babies. Um, and if, you know, there are ways that people want to do that better, let's have that discussion. Uh, but we can't even have that discussion pre-August 2nd without value them both. Okay. So, um, that let's see, um, the, the lobbying aspect of what you just mentioned, how we can, this puts us abortion neutral. Mm -hmm. Um, that is a concern that I've heard from some who are anti-abortion is that, that, that typically that has happened a lot of times, um, in States where they've passed like legislation that people are concerned. This could be quote unquote, writing abortion into the constitution, Mm -hmm and thereby uh, giving the other side um, a leg up on actually passing even more aggressive pro-abortion legislation. Are you concerned about that? Do you see that as a possibility? Not at all. No. I okay. Mean, why that, not? If that was, if that was a problem, April 25th, then it would be a problem now. Uh, but it's, that's, you are not, it's not creating any new problems Right. Our Supreme Court wrote it in, unfortunately, and we have to undo that. We have to negate so that. So it's in, so like the word abortion is in the constitution right now. And when they interpret it, so it's all about how the Supreme interpretation. Court interprets it. So okay. when they interpret it, they are interpreting it in. And so okay. we have to take that out. And that's exactly what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I know it scares people when they see that word written on a page, uh, but because you see, you that. see the, you, you know, the language, I, I'm not getting it word for word, but it's like, sure. Um, you know, it's basically secure a right to abortion, right. It, or to, to, they have this ability to restrict. Well, you know, hypothetically, if you have the ability to restrict, you also have the ability to unleash and it, increase, right. Sure. It, it seems to me like there's kind of this equal and opposite reaction that could occur. If we have the right to restrict it, someone is going to come in and leverage that to, uh, the other side of the, equation. That's, that's my concern. And I, or my concern would be that it would actually be easier for them with this, but that's what I'm trying to get at. So it's it's not in any way easier. Okay. Um, it, it, it does mean we have to do our jobs, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and that's what I try to explain to people all the time. We didn't tip this in our hand. Like we passed some, we passed something in the legislature that can pass on the ballot. And I think, you know, sometimes as pro-lifers, we have to realize that not everybody agrees with us. This is a democratic republic. We have to work with people. We have to figure out how to make these laws work. And so we have to come in and do our jobs. My organization has to do our job. Other pro-life organizations will have to come in and do our jobs and fight for the things that we know are right and matter to the heart of God. Um, And so it in no way gives them a leg up. It in no way gives us a leg up. It makes it neutral. Um, And you can look at other states that have one one of these. You look at Louisiana, you look at Tennessee, um, you look at Arkansas and Florida, uh, and they have very uh, pro-life laws that affirm moms and babies. Um, And so, you know, there's, they're in, this in, sometimes I think people put way too much, this is an extraordinarily important constitutional amendment. Uh, But sometimes I do think people put, cast blame on constitutional amendments for things that they can't and never legally did do. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think that's kind of funny in some of this narrative. Um, It really just resets who's making the decision because Mm -hmm. right now our Supreme court is making the decision. We believe that the people and their legislators should be making the decision uh, because Mm -hmm. we believe that they're the ones in the best position to figure out the best ways to protect moms and babies. Okay. So, um, you guys have also shared, I've seen that, you know, um, you've kind of promoted that this is a bipartisan, um, amendment, right? Like that it, it has bipartisan the laws support. Them, the laws themselves are bipartisan. Okay. 
the laws that were protecting are bipartisan. Okay. The constitutional amendment, unfortunately, was only passed with Republican support. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are not, so this is really, uh, this doesn't have support from the Democrats, the value them both amendment. There, there are some Democrats for life that have supported it. There are some, I'm not telling, I'm not saying that there are no Democrats in Kansas that have supported this, uh-huh. uh, but there are no Democratic legislators that have supported okay. it. I just okay. want to be clear on that. <laughs> yeah, sure. So in your mind, um, as someone who is uh, very familiar with, you know, proceedings and legislate legislation and how this whole process, what would be next after value them both if it does pass um, as someone who, um, you know, again, speaking to an audience that is interested in um, limiting and completely abolishing abortion, ultimately, what what could come next? Hypothetically, let's just say if if you were able to, you know, take the next step forward in that march, what would it be? Yeah, and in, in Kansas, we have to reenact our laws that have already been struck down. And so currently, they are doing these live dismemberment abortions, which are just incredibly graphic and horrific and painful for moms up until how how many weeks i mean they they can do them up to 22 weeks in kansas um so they're it's typically they start doing them at about 12 13 weeks which is their second trimester and currently they say that they're honoring our 22 week limitation um but how do we know that we don't <laughs> that limitation and that limitation will go away if we don't pass value them both. Um, and so we will have to reenact that, uh, dismemberment ban. Um, it, it's a, just a horribly brutal procedure. Mm-hmm. And they've also struck down our clinic licensing law. Um, so there are no statewide regulations on how mm-hmm. these, uh, abortion industry, abortion clinics are operating. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's really horrific. I mean, we passed these laws in Kansas because we had real problems. We had mm-hmm. real, we had, we had a Kermit Gosnell in Kansas. I don't know if a lot of people know that, uh, mm-hmm. but there was a, a man who was operating clinic. He was, there was carpet in his procedure rooms. He was sterilizing his uh, instruments in a dishwasher, which is not sterile for the record. Wow. Um, he was blocking exits. He was keeping body parts. It was really disgusting. Um, and this was like in 2010. It wasn't that long ago. Wow. Um, and so we, we passed those laws um, to, you know, to keep things like that from happening because there were women that were dying. Um, and so we just, we need to, we we're going to have to reenact those laws um, and we're going to have to kind of see will what that looks like. Will that be possible with, I mean, without value than both, will that be possible? No, without value than both, we cannot because they've already been struck down under that, that uh, right to abortion from the 2019 mm-hmm. ruling. So they, yeah. they use that case to strike these laws down. Mm-hmm. Okay. So without value than both, we're, we, we can't have, we won't have those laws. Okay. Um, real quick, just because I think it's important, we may have people listening who are, um, you know, not pro-life or not anti-abortion. Um, let's take this opportunity to actually describe what happens in those live dismemberment abortions. Could you go into a little detail about what that actually is? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so we're, t- we're talking about a second or third trimester baby, um, and that is alive. Um, this is not a baby that has been miscarried. Miscarried. This is a live child with a beating heart, um, all ten fingers, all ten toes, and uh, they used forceps to literally rip the child out piece by piece. Um, and to, it's really dangerous because you have to keep doing passes in um, to the mother, um, and then they have to lay out each piece outside of the mother um, and count every piece to make sure they got every piece out. Um, and it's just a brutally graphic procedure. I mean, this is a child that is, is alive. Um, and we know that children feel pain at that point. Like we absolutely, I mean, we know from conception that like that matters. Right. Mm -hmm. But what, what I tell people all the time is like, if you don't, if, if you can watch a sonogram where a baby is, you know, fleeing, um, Mm -hmm. from an instrument, then I don't know how you 
how you're okay with that. Um, so it's a really, really graphic procedure. It's painful for the child. It's dangerous for the mother. Um, and so, it's, it, but it's, they, they use it all the time. Um, now they'll call it a dilation and evacuation. So D&E, uh, that's the technical medical term, um, but it's a, to describe what it is, we use the phrase live to stem or an abortion, um, mm-hmm. because that's literally what's happening. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just, it's really graphic. So. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. Um, I mean, th- there's just, there's so much evidence and there's so much video footage, sonogram footage now that we have, I mean, thank God the technical capacity to see, like you said, um, you know, a, a needle going into a baby, um, you know, or whatever they, they move away from it. They, uh, of course they do. They're, they're a human they being, they're a person, yeah. um, just like we would, just like we feel pain. We would feel every bit of having our arm, ripped off. Um, and and so it's, it's truly unbelievable and, um, just despicable that there is anyone that is okay with this. There is anyone, um, I I don't think that you have to be, uh, you know, a Christian. I don't think you have to be uh, pro-life to understand that that is, that is wicked and that is evil. I mean, that is, that is wrong, morally wrong. Like we all have even if you're not a believer, you have the law of God written on your heart and you actually have a conscience. You were born knowing what is right and wrong. And so whether or not you believe in God, you know, you know, from a very young age that stealing is wrong. You, you know, I I stole bubble gum when I was five. I remember hiding it from my mom. I knew it was wrong. Now, yes, I was raised in a Christian home, but I just inerrantly instinctively knew it was wrong. And in the same way, um, I believe that everybody recognizes and, and rise, recognizes and knows that this is wrong. This shouldn't be happening. Um, obviously, I'm of the the opinion that may be called extreme today that I don't believe any abortions should be happening. But um, you know, regardless, like that is that is the the most gruesome and graphic uh, you know thing that is is could possibly be done to an unborn. Uh, human being and a person, um, you know, I make no distinction between those two. I know, I know some people do. Um, <laughs> I don't either. So, you know, thanks for going into that. I think it's important that people just hear the reality of it. Um, you know, on a um, personal note, you know, what is your hope after value them both? Like, what do you want to see happen and what kind of legislation could you see yourself getting involved with after this amendment? Yeah. I mean, to be totally honest, we are (laughs) barely keeping our heads above water. Uh, We are so busy that it's been really hard to even think beyond. Um, But I do know um, that I'm really focused on making sure those two laws get reenacted because I think that they are vitally important for moms and babies in Kansas. Um, But I do, you know, I think we're going to be looking at ways. How do we help our crisis pregnancy centers serve women better? Like how, how do we help our churches serve women? Cause I work on religious freedom issues as well. Mm-hmm. How do we help them serve women better? Uh, how do we educate people better and inform them better about what's going on in the womb? Like, how do we, how do we move culture closer to there? And of course we can have, you know, a whole discussion about, you know, precise pro-life laws. Um, and, you know, I think that we're, it's a whole new world since we even had this discussion. And I know I've had discussions with my fellow pro-lifers around here that this is just not the world that we ever expected to be having this discussion in. Uh, And I'm so thankful that we're having this discussion right now. And that this is, you know, the place that God placed us because we would not have asked for this. Uh, But just given the, the, the bigger discussion that we're having to have at the same time. Um, but we are so thankful to be here. We are thankful, uh, for what the Lord has done through the Supreme court. Um, and, uh, we are thankful that we get the opportunity to be the first ballot test that we get to show the nation, what it looks like to defend moms and babies, um, and to do it well. And, uh, I, I pray that we'll continue through the legislature. I know that we're having, uh, we have a lot of great legislators in the state of Kansas, who are excited to go to work and they're excited to figure out exactly what we can do. Um, and it, you know, a lot of it just depends on what the makeup looks like, right. Uh, of the exact people. And we know that God establishes those people. Um, so I would really encourage your listeners to be praying, uh, for those people to be, you know, to, to rise up in Kansas, um, to defend moms and babies so that we can do, um, the, the most good, 
um, because that's that's what we're called. We're called we're called as Christians. We're called uh, to defend the good, the beautiful, and the true. And uh, you know, as a Christian, a lot of the time, I feel like I'm just holding back the tide, um, and that's okay. Uh, but we would really love to make great strides for life in Kansas. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, what do you think about the concept of equal rights and equal protections for the unborn? Is that language that you're familiar with? Yes, I'm very yeah, familiar I, with equal protection okay. clause. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm newer, I, I'm newer, so I'm I'm just I'm catching up. <laughs> no, you're great. Yeah, um, I think that that is you know a whole you know there's several different legal concepts um, that people have used to defend the unborn um, and to, to defend children in the womb. Um, and so I think that those are definitely discussions that are going to need to be had both at a national and a state level. Um, I don't have a strong opinion about the best way to do that legally. Um, at this point, I'm, I'm, I, I reserve the right to change my mind. Um, but I do, I do think that that's a discussion that we're going to be having in a lot of States. Yeah. Cause you're, you, I know you describe yourself, obviously you work for Kansas family voice. You would call yourself pro-life, right? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. Um, and, and do you, um, I'm not trying to grill you. I'm just, I'm really trying to learn, but do you hope to see abortion abolished ultimately in Kansas? Is that your personal hope? Like I realize that's not what value them both does, but like, is that something that you would say you hope to see, or, um, is jury still out for you on kind of how, how that all plays out? I, you know, I think that it also depends on exactly what you mean. So my goal is to see moms and babies rescued from abortion. Like my goal is to do whatever it takes to incur, to, to move women from considering abortion to choosing life, right? Like that is my goal. Um, I don't want abortion in any way to be something that someone would even want to consider. I want them to have a church and a community and people around them to help them not make that decision or to even have that question pop up. That That's what I want. Um, and so how exactly we do that and the strategy for doing that, um, I think that is an open discussion because uh, laws are helpful, right? Like we all know laws, but laws don't actually, they're, they're not the, the final solution. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, as Christians, sometimes we can get caught up into the idea if we get the right president or the right justices mm-hmm. or the right laws passed, that, that will fix the world. Yeah. We have a whole bigger problem than that, right? Like mm-hmm. laws are just a symptom. Um, now they can be directional, but they're a symptom. Um, and so I, Personally, my goal is to, to, to change the situation and the environment for women. So that's not a choice that they would even consider. Yeah, I hear that. Um, you know, and this is something that I have definitely been, I don't want to say evolving, but just learning about, because, um, I, I think that for so many years, I, I just never questioned really any, anything about how pro-life legislation or the movement, um, handled, there are our current situation because, uh, federally we didn't really have uh, stuck, much. Right? We, yeah. We couldn't really do a whole lot. Yeah. So it seemed like, Oh, we're stuck. And, and, you know, I, I know there are entire groups of, of individuals and, and organizations that, um, would say, you know, really Roe was a protection that people were using as an excuse. We could mm-hmm. have, we could have been seeking to abolish abortion regardless. I don't know the full legal, you know, legal ramifications of that. I'm not sure about all the details of that conversation, but I do know that, you know, when I think about, like you were just saying laws are not enough. Um, I agree. Like murder is illegal, right? Murder of those who are breathing oxygen and outside of the womb is illegal. And yet murder still happens every day. And so I, I recognize that laws are not enough, but what I would say, I guess, in regards to that is that you know, um, as a believer, my approach to longing to see no one murdered, it, it can't stop at a law, but it certainly can't be less than a law, right? Like, it's not that, you know, making murder illegal means I've done my duty and now I don't have to go out and share the gospel or, you know, serve in my community or whatever, be a light as a Christian, right? It doesn't preclude me from doing that. But it's at least that, like, I should at least have that on, I should at least want that to be reality. And so, you know, I am definitely moving more in the direction of wanting to see abortion completely abolished, which I think most pro-lifers would agree and say, we want to see abortion abolished, but 
like you said, when it comes down to the, the actual details of how that gets worked out um, and equal rights and equal protections for the unborn, meaning making the woman actually legal, legally responsible for um, hiring a hitman on her baby, agree that I would love to see a world where no one ever feels that they will do that. But I also recognize because of what scripture says, we're never going to really be able to create this perfectly moral and just society, right? Because men's yeah. hearts are darkened and yes. people don't know Jesus and they don't have hope. And so there will always be people who will seek that out, whether it's legal or not. And I realize that's, that's the whole argument of, of many leftists is they're like, you're going to, yeah. women I get asked all the time, <laughs> right? Like women are going to go in these back alleys and get, you know, terrible right. abortions. And, um, and we don't want that either. Right. But like you said, we, we want this, we want utopia, but we, that's not actually achievable. And so we and have to go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. And I like, I don't necessarily disagree with any of that. It's just, I think we have the strategy of laying all of those things out mm -hmm. is something we're still working through like mm -hmm. as a movement. And yeah. I think that, you know, we look at the instance of William, William Wilberforce and the slave trade in England. And mm -hmm. I mean, to me, like he's, he's one of my He's one of my heroes. And I think the Lord used him mightily, not perfect, but the Lord used him mightily. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it took 20 years for them to outlaw even the trade. And it took them another like 25 mm -hmm. to, to uh, you know, for abolition of uh, in the, in the end of slavery in England. Um, and so I think, you know, just because it's happening slower than we want it to do, want it to happen does not mean that God's not working. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think as Christians, and this is my biggest fear, is that we will start attacking each other uh, because we have slightly different positions. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, can't even 100% tell you <laughs> exactly what my strategy would be at this point, um, because I do think that there's a lot, uh, a lot of discussions that need to be had uh, about the best way to do all of this. And, you know, we are in a different legal landscape. Um, and, you yeah. know, I think that there's the big, these are big questions and we yeah. need to have grace for each other as we ask the big questions. Yeah, I agree. And I I've shared, um, you know, on, on Instagram in this conversation that I, I believe that, you know, it, it, I believe in the sovereignty of God. And so that means that I believe that God is always working out his will, um, even in, uh, and through and over and above the evil that is happening. It doesn't mean that he is the author of evil or wickedness, but he is, able to hand. Control it. for good. Right. And, and right. so he could, he could use going back to the abolition conversation around William Wilberforce, you know, there are those who would paint him as, um, an incrementalist because I've heard that he, before he ever really sought to fully abolish, uh, slavery, he had to abolish the slave trade. And so he would limit the number of slaves that could go on ships. And that would have been right. That's tantamount to what we're talking about. We're talking about restricting or regulating abortion, which there are many who are very, very opposed to that because the argument is um, regulating murder is unbiblical. We're not, sure. we are not, we are to not murder. We are not to regulate murder. Right. And, sure. and I agree with them. And so I agree with that. And yet at the same time, does that mean that God did not use that incremental change of limiting the number of slaves on ships, which I would say is not enough. It wasn't enough. Right. He should and I have think just Wilberforce said, knew that. Like he would right. agree. Right. He would probably say, I know it's not enough, but it's all I can do right now. And who am I to say whether that's true or not? I don't know. I wasn't there, but, um, like you said, ultimately, um, he did, he was, you know, critical in ab abolishing slavery and, and that was his heart's desire. That was his greatest aim. And so my concern, my fear is not so much that we just make one incremental move, but more that that's all, that's our highest aim. You know what I mean? Like, because his, his greatest desire, it's like, this is so cheesy, but <laughs> shoot for the stars, aim for, you know, or whatever, what, what is it? Aim for the moon, hit the stars or something yeah. like that. Like yeah. you, you, you're not going to hit something you don't actually ever aim at. And my concern would be, um, are we pushing hard enough? And, and so, um, but what I wanted to really grasp and what so many people have been seeking clarity on is does value them both inch us closer to that, yes. to that, um, direction? Does it get us further? Is it essential in getting us to that next step? Because there's obviously going to be disagreements about what is the next step and how far do we go in criminalizing abortion or not within the pro-life community, but does it actually achieve something for us as pro-lifers, as those who want to see abortion abolished? 
And that is, you know, the answer to that question, it sounds like from what you're saying is yes. Is a resounding yes. Yes, absolutely. Now, cannot guarantee anything exactly what right. a post-value than both world looks like, but I can tell you it stops us from becoming a destination. It allows us to ban live dismemberment abortion. It allows us to ensure that women aren't having abortions in dirty facilities. It allows us to even have a discussion. Um, and so that's, yes, resounding yes is the answer to that question. Okay. Um, so what about those who, you know, still find themselves hesitant, aren't sure where would you recommend them to go to like, learn more and research, do their own research and kind of their own footwork here? Yeah, I I would encourage them to go, I mean, look at valuethemboth.com, obviously. Um, But if you want to look at our testimony um, from the legislature, where we kind of laid out exactly, I laid out all the other states and what they were doing. I laid out you know, all the reasons why legally we had to do this in order to reset the standard. So I would encourage people to go look at that. I know we've had a lot of, I've, had, I've seen a lot of comments of, well, well I read the Hody's decision, which I kind of doubt they read all 200 pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would you know, encourage them, look at stuff written by Elizabeth Kirk, who's a well-respected legal scholar. Um, mm-hmm. Look at some stuff from the Charlotte Lozier Institute that talk about the legal, what's going on legally, but what the real world implications of this have been, um, because, you know, the court really put us in a weird spot from a legal perspective mm-hmm. and made it confusing for people. And so it has allowed the abortion industry to put out a lot of lies mm-hmm. and put out a lot of confusing statements mm-hmm. um, when we know and we, when we know what will happen in reality and what will happen legally. Uh, but we have to look at other states a lot of the time for that to really make sense. Um, so I would really encourage people to to really do your research. Don't just stop, you know, because you read the amendment or mm-hmm. you, you know, someone said something. Um, I'm happy to answer questions. Um, you know, we are really busy right now. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I, it, I may not get back to you as quickly as I used to, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm happy to answer those questions. Um, but yeah, I just really encourage people go yeah. to valuebooth.com, read our testimony. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah. Talk, we can maybe, about it. maybe we could link a few of those, uh, those mm-hmm. different institutes you were mentioning. Uh, we can link those yeah. in the show notes for people so they can get those directly and find, find more information on it. Um, what about, uh, the, we're running up on time here, but sure. the reaction that I've seen, you know, the, the, the vote, no signs I'm I've gotten two texts now in 24 hours from, <laughs> you know, the women's March, something or other, who's asking me if they can count on me to vote. No. Um, it's obvious that leftists are very, very concerned about this. Um, yes. is that, is that an accurate assessment? They do not want very. this to happen. No, they're, they want Kansas to be a destination. They mm-hmm. want Kansas to look like California when it comes to abortion. Uh, Kansas, Colorado, I, I, excuse me, California has a very similar court ruling to us. Um, mm-hmm. And so just, just for some factual backup to what mm-hmm. I'm saying, uh, but they want us to look like California. Um, they want Kansas to be an abortion haven in the Midwest. Um, and so they are very concerned that we would overturn uh, what our Kansas Supreme Court did and that we would place any limitations mm-hmm. on the abortion industry, uh, much less any other broader discussion. Um, and so as so I tell people, if they are talking about voting no, because it doesn't go far enough, you're siding with Planned Parenthood. You're siding with the abortion industry. Um, and I'm not going to tell you what to do with that, uh, response. Like you, you can, you and the Lord can sort that one out. Um, uh, but the, the abortion industry hates value them both. They won't even use the name. Um, they won't even, they won't even mention abortion in their ads. What will um, they say about it instead? Uh, they call it the, uh, cons- the, the, sometimes they call it the constitutional, constitutional amendment. amendment. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they call it, um, they call it a, a mandate. They're, they're calling mm-hmm. it all sorts of things. Oh, I've not- seen end the ban on abortion. Yes, no. the ban. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So which it doesn't whole- ban abortion. Like if it did, I mean, I'd be, I'd be <laughs> even happier, but it doesn't. <laughs> it's just cracks me up. Cause I'm like, I got people on both sides that dislike me, you know? And yeah. <laughs> I don't dislike you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I didn't think that you did. Um, but yeah. And I think that that's, that it just goes to prove how, you know, very reasonable this is. Um, now, not that one side or the other isn't reasonable. I would say that the pro-abortion is not reasonable. Um, oh yeah. We can say that. 
Yeah, they absolutely because they they don't want any any limitations. Like we have tweets from them that say we we don't want no no restrictions, and they fought every single one that we put in place. So I think that that's really important. People understand is that like this, we have a enemy who hates us, hates women, hates life, um, hates babies in the womb. And we have to fight for those. And uh, we need to work together um, to pass value them both and to protect moms and babies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, man. Well, I really appreciate your time, Brittany, and um, helping shed light on this very complex issue and kind of breaking it down for us. Um, you know, Before I let you go, I do have one more question. Um, yeah. And this was just some personal research that I did. Are you familiar with HB 2476? Which one is that by Trevor um, Jacobs? I don't know who authored it, but, um, or sponsored it. It was originally heard in March, I think of this year in, it came to the house, but, or it didn't pass committee. And it was, um, mu- it was much close, closer to an abolition bill. It wasn't maybe full on abolition of abortion, but it, it actually would have, would have criminalized abortions, um, other than in the case of like life of the mother or, um, you know, miscarriage or something else. Um, and that's going to be hard for the record are not abortions, not not abortions for the record. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, it's going to be heard again, I believe January 9th, 2023. I was curious if you knew how value them both would affect that. Yeah. So if it would. That, that has nothing to do with value than both. Um, yeah. That was a legislator that introduced that it was not ever heard um, okay. and the session ended. And so that's, yeah. So if, if it, so I guess with the, um, on January 9th, let's say value than both doesn't pass. Um, is that negatively, af- does that, will that negatively affect a bill that were, to, you know, that would potentially come up to be heard and voted on? without value them both, would they go, I, my question was like, did it leave, did it fail in committee because of the current Supreme court ruling in 2019? We know that any pro-life law that is discussed in the legislature at this point is pointless. Like there is even, there's not even reason Uh to waste anybody's time having a discussion about an amendment or a law or anything that will be declared unconstitutional. Um, And so uh, that's, that's just the reality on the ground without value them both. Right. So in a world where value them both passed, and then this bill came up again on January 9th, it would be, it could be evaluated on its merits and actually potentially voted on um, because value, because we were then back to kind of abortion neutral. Correct. Yes. Hypothetically. I mean, Hypoth- I, realize, hypothetically I realize we don't know, but um, yeah. And we do know that from the Dobbs ruling that there will probably need to be a life of the mother exception and pretty much every um, mm-hmm. abortion law. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's real. I mean, I, what I tell people all the time when they're worried about ectopic pregnancies or miscarriages, those things are not abortions. I know. Uh, but so a life much of, lies. So, so much lies misinformation. Yeah. But the life of the mother exception really does make sure that everyone understands that we're not picking one life over the other. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate your time today, Brittany. Um, and people can find you guys on, um, online at value them both.com or Kansas family voice.com. Okay. And what about on social? Where do they follow you, follow you there? So there is a value them both Instagram and Facebook or uh, Kansas family voice also has, uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook and Twitter. Okay. I despise Twitter, but we have it. So I do too. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for helping us understand these issues and um, good luck on August 2nd. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Okay. So now that you've heard that, um, I would encourage you to take some time and think and pray about it. All right. Um, I'm going to leave a space here between this and the rest of the episode, a few more minutes of my commentary for you to hit pause if you want to process this before hearing anything else from me. So go ahead and do that now if you need time. I don't think you need to hear anything else from me, but I am going to share my takeaways from it because I've been vocal about it on Instagram. I want to do my due diligence and be fair to the conversation that we've been having by kind of um, bringing it full circle because I introduced 
um, some questions that I had on Instagram regarding this amendment and my concerns that it would be somewhat of a Trojan horse that might write abortion into our state constitution. I am no longer concerned about that. And without going into a a full another hour long explanation of why, um, I think that I will just point to, you know, even the last question that I asked Brittany, that any other bills or amendments that might possibly come up or be made to the uh, to the Constitution, an amendment that might be made or a bill that might be sponsored and brought to the House. All of these are going to be deemed unconstitutional because of that 2019 ruling. That is really the singular point that it comes down to for me. If if that ruling has put us in such a position to where we favor abortion and not just favor, but it is enshrined in our Constitution as a right because of that Supreme Court ruling, that Kansas Supreme Court activist judge who ruled that way. It's really a no-brainer to me that the right move forward is to uh, take back that power from the court. I don't believe in the court being, you know, basically legislating from the bench. That's that's a term that you will hear a lot that activist courts that want to reinterpret the Constitution to basically create new laws, which is what they have done. They have essentially co-opted authority that is not theirs to uh, reinterpret and reimagine what the Constitution really means. They are not staying true to the spirit or the letter of the law, and they are uh, they are the ones making laws. That's not actually the, the court's job. It is not the court's job to make laws. That is the legislature's job. And so they are um, they're really outside of their lane. I want to put them back into their lane and make it so that we can actually pass legislation that in my my desire is a full abolition of abortion, not just restriction or regulation. I don't want to see that happen. I don't want to see abortion just regulated or restricted. I want to see it abolished. I want to see it unavailable and illegal. And I want to see anyone who who either performs the abortion or um, orders the abortion, both the woman and the abortionist, I want to see them held liable for that act of murder, which it is. And so I'm I am of that mind. Like, that is where I'm at. I'm not merely pro-life. I'm anti-abortion. And I will stop at nothing. I don't want to stop. I don't want to stop with this. I want this to be the beginning, not the end, if that makes sense. For me, value them both is not a uh, a final stop at the end of the of the line. It is actually reopening the door to continue pressing forward and pressing on. Um, And so while I uh, respect the work that they've done, it is certainly only the beginning. It is certainly only the first step that needs to be taken to get us forward and and take us in that next step forward on our march towards abolishing abortion once and for all. And so that's my perspective. I totally understand and recognize that there may be Christians who um, are convicted that this amendment does not uphold it, it it challenges their conscience uh before God and they believe that it is partiality to vote for it. I am not convicted that way. I do not believe that is what we see here. Um, I was concerned that that might be the case, but now, after hearing more of the explanation and just the the situation Kansas in particular is in, I don't believe that that's the case. I believe that this is an essential first step. But it's not all that we will do, and it's not all that we should do. And so I just think, um, you know, that's really what pushed me over the edge, that reality that uh, this it has to be the first step, but it certainly cannot be our last. That's where I land. Um, and obviously, you know, barring some other great revelation coming out between now and August 2nd, that's how I plan to vote. I plan to vote yes on the value them both amendment. Um, in Kansas on August 2nd. So, um, you know, I just want to be really forthright about that because I've talked about this on Instagram. I've shared openly, um, not because I am trying to make you do what I do. I'm just trying to kind of bring this conversation to, uh, you know, I want to be, I want to be fair to what I have, some of the questions I've brought up and I want to, 
um, not just leave those open-ended uh, and when, when actually my mind has changed because of some information that's been shared. So, so there it is. And, you know, I, I pray that this is helpful. I pray that you actually go do more research on your own if you're in Kansas and if this is something that um, you're really not sure about yet. Continue to pray. Continue to do your research. Um, reach out to Brittany. Go to their website. They have a contact form. You can ask your questions. Um, you know, I, I recognize we, you know, even she and I may come from a little bit different perspective on some of those issues like criminalization or uh, whatever, but it doesn't mean that we can't agree on this being a next right step. So that's where I'm at. And I hope this conversation was helpful for you. Um, share it with anyone you know who's in Kansas who is waffling or unsure. But I will tell you, the environment around here is extremely tense. Like there are signs, there are signs everywhere. There are, I, on the way home from, we went up north and visited this small little town called Weston, Missouri today. And on the way home, I saw multiple billboards that had been paid for by some women's organization that said, vote no, or trust women and vote no with like the, um, you know, that poster of the the girl with her sleeve being rolled up and like the red bandana on her head I you know I can't remember it was like a world war ii poster right like victory garden or something like I can't remember exactly what the original advertisement was but it was one of that one of those images with trust women vote no I mean people are just getting very they're it's getting heated and it's intense and it's only going to get more intense there have been churches that have been vandalized catholic churches had red spray paint and you know, there's statues of Mary um, spray painted to look like blood. And I mean, people are stealing signs. I have friends that their signs are being taken out of their yard on, an, on a daily basis. They're having to get more signs. Uh, one friend put a ginormous sign inside her fence and literally just to prevent thieves from taking it. And uh, she was like saying that they, they've had their signs stolen, I think, twice, their smaller one. And so they got this really big one, put it up on stakes. And she was going to put smaller ones outside the fence with um, some grease on the back of it, like auto grease, so that when people grab them and try to take them, uh, they would get this grease on their hands and then all over their car, which I personally love, love the idea. Uh, genius, because, you know, if you're going to steal something, then you need to have the consequence. But um, but it's, it's heated. And I, I know that there's so much misinformation going around. And I just, uh, I really hope this will add a bit of clarity for you. And so share it with anyone who you think may benefit. Okay, that's all I have, guys. I hope you have a great uh, rest of your week. See you later.